0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do. Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We are the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Thank you for everyone that has tuned in to 52 Weeks of Hustle so far. I've had a lot of fun sitting down with industry leaders. In addition, I've written a book. Hustle your way to success in sports sales. It's a playbook to be an elite in the sports business industry. Whether you're looking to get in this business or you already are and you're looking to continue to grow your career, I believe this book can be beneficial for you. The paperback and ebook versions are now available. Check out 52weeksofhustle.com. Thank you in advance and enjoy this week's episode. <laughs> Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Event Dynamic specializes in maximizing revenue and increasing attendance. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name, each week I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week, imagine getting out of college and moving to China to teach English, then land a sales job back in the United States, fall in love with the business of sales, move to the Northwest, and spend the next 25 plus years with the same organization. Our next guest did all of that and more, as I'm excited to have Francis Traisman, Senior Vice President of Sales for the Seattle Mariners. Francis, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Travis. It's great to be here and see you again.
0: No, thank you for your time. I certainly appreciate it. And Francis, you've had an amazing career and I'm really looking forward to dive into it. But before we go to that, let's start off. How did you end up in China teaching English to college students right out of college?
1: Well, it it certainly wasn't um, on my list of things growing up that I uh, planned to do. I actually, you know, just taking a step back, I grew up in uh, Saratoga Springs, New York, so upstate New York, and went to high school in a small town, Southlands Falls High School, and, uh, you know, like many of my friends, looked at college, um, mainly on the East Coast, although I expanded my my version of that to the Midwest, and uh, I ended up... At Hope College in Holland, Michigan, which is on Lake Michigan, a beautiful part of the country. And while I was there, I worked really hard. I mean, like many of you know, people in our profession and others, I just put my nose to the grindstone. I was there to study and I studied hard. I did it, um, you know, all my pre med classes. I originally thought I might be a doctor, um, and uh, but also majored in English because that was a, a big interest for me. And so at the end of my um, college career I just had you know an itch to travel um, and I really felt like I needed a break in terms of um, studying so I worked all through college I worked in the PR department there on their communication side and then I also worked in the career uh, counseling center helping people write resumes and edit their resumes and it was there I heard about a company that was interviewing for teachers in Asia I thought wow this is fantastic what a great opportunity uh, so I interviewed, got the job, and um, and then, you know, headed headed off as soon as I was, you know, uh, graduated from college, ready to head off to China.
0: You know, it's a, it's certainly a great experience, and obviously your work ethic started early on, and, you know, many individuals that, that we all speak with, as they get out of college, sometimes they struggle with moving to a new state or away from their family and friends, and I guess to that point, you were kind of in sales right away from being able to go to sell that idea to your family and friends. Like, how did that go over when you're like, hey, I'm excited, I'm I'm graduating college and now I'm moving to a new continent?
1: Yeah, (laughs) well, it was uh, mixed results, for sure. (laughs) Uh, It took a little convincing. I will say my my friends growing up were a little shocked and surprised. That was certainly not, like, as I said, that wasn't on my long list of things to do. Um, but I really credit that I, I didn't have to really do too much of a sales job with my parents. They were always um, very, they had instilled in a uh, in me in a very early age, kind of a sense of um, independence. And so I will say they were very supportive. In, in particular, my father, I recall, you know, calling him to say, I didn't really ask for permission. So that was, <laughs> yeah. that was part of it and said, you know, here's here's what I'm going to do, ready to overcome the objections, right. um, but here's what I'm going to do, and, and uh, they were very supportive, and the only question I asked was, uh, you know, can you give me some advice as, as far as which country to go teach in? Because I had several options, Japan and Taiwan and mainland China, and my father gave me great advice. He said, you know, at that time, it was in the late 80s, which China was still very unknown, um, and he said people know about japan and taiwan he goes nobody knows about mainland mainland china that would be where i would go so i think i i got that sense of adventure from him and and really felt fortunate that i had that
0: support that's where that's where you ended up and so you know, what you looking back at that experience what was your most memorable experience from that time and is there anything you learned over there that maybe you even still apply to your every day
1: wow um well it was life-changing to say the least i mean to go from you know a small-town girl, uh, really, is what I was, um, to go, as you said, to another continent. The, the two things that stand out to me, one were the students that I worked with. They were college students, so really my age um, in, in many respects. But to, to see the level of effort and the struggle and the challenge that they had to go through to get to that level um, and the competitiveness was, and the living conditions that, that they had um, – it it always struck me and made me work harder. I mean, every even today, when I come in and I say, "Oh, this is so hard," you know, life is hard. It's not as hard as that. Um, yep. It really put it in perspective. Um, and the second thing would say, I would say, you know, going to China, I was, uh, I have blonde hair and blue eyes and very pale skin. As my <laughs> students told me, they said, "You're the you're the whitest person I've ever seen." Um, but being being different and very noticeably different. So being, you know, they, the word for it was foreigner. I was actually called a foreigner, you know, oftentimes with a pointed finger because they had never seen anyone like me. And that, that also just put in perspective for me, you know, that's how many people in our world feel. So if we can, yeah. So it it was a, a very eye opening experience for me and something that to this day, I, I remember, and I, Try to make sure that I'm as open and um, and welcoming as I can be to all all people.
0: Such an amazing experience, and you know, for our listeners here of 52 weeks of hustle, and, and certainly using the baseball analogy, they probably saw all right, Seattle Mariners. Let's talk about her baseball career, and so we kind of threw a curveball to start there. And you know, I guess as you as you think back, and you mentioned you're know, growing up and attending Hope College, you know, potentially pre med, studying English. Was there anything growing up from your parents or, or early jobs that said, you know what, like, I, I like English, but eventually I think I may get into that that sales route or that sports route? Did you have any, any idea that would happen?
1: Yeah, you know, I did not have any idea that would happen. I didn't even know there were jobs in sports. I, you know, I, th- yep. I think it's hard for probably some of your listeners to even imagine that. But um, I loved sports. I loved to go to sporting events. Um and I love sales. My father was in sales, and so he he definitely instilled that in me. The whole idea of the customer at the center of your yeah. uh, universe. Um, but I never thought that was a career path for me. Right. No. But, no. Never but, in a million years.
0: <laughs> well, and that's that's where we're gonna start diving into to your illustrious sports career. So I'm certainly excited. But you know, and that's why you, even for listeners that maybe aren't in the sports world right now, hey, it's never too late. Um, yeah, and so. You know, many, as you think about it, you know, your your experience in China, and then you come back to the United States, you end up in Washington, D.C., and you land a job at the U.S. Senior Open Golf Tournament at the Congressional Country Club. How did that come about?
1: Again, uh, you know, a turn in the long and winding road of my career. Um, I came to D.C. from China because I met a a teacher in China who convinced me to come to Washington, D.C. It was a great place for young people. It's um, a very highly educated place. It's really the center of the world. And so that was um, very appealing to me after having seen some of the world. And, um, you know, I started out like many of the people that moved to Washington, D.C. that aren't in politics doing temp- temporary work. And I had a, a position with the uh, D.C. Bar, which is the largest uh, bar association um, in in the world. Uh, and, That convinced me I didn't want to be a lawyer, so that was good. (laughs) Um, I at least eliminated, uh, I had one, I had one experience that just eliminated a, you know, a a portion of that for me. But while I was there, I actually, um, had made a decision to leave. I knew that wasn't a career for me. I loved the people I worked with, but I, um, and I was at a dinner party. This is how things often happen. And when you make a decision, you're kind of closing, you know, one door and opening a, a window somewhere else. Um, I met a, a man who's just lovely. He was um, the finance and IT person at Congressional Country Club, and we were talking. Just met each other through my my husband and his colleague. And he asked me about my job, and said, "I said, oh, I'm actually looking for a new job." And he said, "Well, send me your resume. We have a ticket sales manager position available with the U.S. Senior Open tournament." And I was kind of scratching my head, saying, "What?" Did I mention ticket sales <laughs> right. anywhere in, in this conversation? I don't know how that happened. But as you know, in building a team of people, you're looking for complementary skills. And in this particular case, the tournament director and the marketing director um, had been working together for 15 months, and they were essentially like brother and sister. And he was looking for someone that was talented, had you know had the drive and the ambition and potentially – the aptitude to learn a new business, but really to fit in with that group. And so I was fortunate enough to get the interview and meet them. And they are still the salt of the earth, most wonderful people that I've ever met. And they got me started on my career in sports.
0: So I'm forever in their debt. Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's even great advice for listeners. You never know who's going to be your next boss or, or somebody that could be your next peer that could help land you, you know, a, a career-long journey. And so, you know, after a year there, you and your husband decide to move to Seattle, Washington. You end up starting as an account executive with the Mariners, probably thinking, hey, you can do this for a year or two until you figure out kind of what is next. Uh, but lo and behold, you've now worked your way up within the organization, spent over 25 years. But you certainly have a unique story. And so working your uh, you know way up in that sports organization Certainly wasn't even a dream at the time when you moved to Seattle, right?
1: Not, not even in my purview. I, again, I really didn't – I mean, it's hard, I think, for, for people who, who didn't grow up with, um, you know, Google and the Internet. And, <laughs> you know, just to even understand that, that, you know, it was just not even on my radar that there were, there were jobs like that. I definitely uh, – I loved working in the golf industry, sparked the interest just in the sports industry in general and the whole idea of everyone working toward a goal, the same goal, and um, working as a team, that, was, that absolutely resonated with me. And when I moved to Seattle, I looked for some uh, jobs in the golf industry. It just so happened that the Mariners actually were the reason that I came to, the, um, came to even come into the uh, baseball world. They had, um, in 1995, I moved to Seattle, and in August of 95, when we moved, they were, I think, nine games back, maybe, at that point. But by the end of the season, they had won their um, first uh, trip to the postseason in their franchise history. And so... Um, anytime I went to have an informational interview, people saw ticket sales on my resume and the Mariners were, it was an incredible experience in Seattle at that time. The Mariners were the talk of the town and everyone kept directing me back to the Mariners. You need to talk to the Mariners. You need to talk to the Mariners. So again, uh, uh, you know, fortune on my part that I, I did talk to the Mariners and, um, got the job. And it has become my dream job. Yeah, I really did think I could do it for a year while I yeah. got to know. I didn't know a soul in Seattle when I moved here. So, um, awesome. yeah, I'm I just pinch myself daily.
0: So you know, you, you to your point, like, hey, I'm gonna figure it out. I'm moving to Seattle. I get this. I land this role with the Mariners selling as an account executive. Was there a turning point, you know, in your career early on there as an account executive that was one of those game changer aha moments you said to yourself, you know what, this really is my dream job and I'm going to make this my career.
1: Yes, there was. Um, And I don't think I recognized it at the time, but I will say, you know, coming from the East Coast to Seattle, first of all, it was quite a culture shock. I mean, very different. Um, and But but the biggest difference for me was coming from where we lived at the time in, in Washington, D.C. Camden Yards had just opened, and we were enjoying baseball in Baltimore in this beautiful facility. And moving from that to Seattle and going to games, both Seahawks games and Mariners games in the kingdom, was just night and day. I couldn't understand how you could play baseball in the kingdom. It the just King. didn't. It didn't compute um, for those of you. And I know many of my my um, you know colleagues and clients loved the kingdom and have many fond memories. And so do I. But it's not. It was not built for baseball. Yep. So um. So the turning point for me was really when we started our project of what as I still refer to the new ballpark. Which, which turned, you know, to become Seiko Field mm-hmm. and now T-Mobile Park. Yeah. Um, that, that really was the turning point, to be involved from the ground level in this amazing project and to open the eyes of our fans to outdoor baseball in Seattle was really just, um, it's hard to describe how amazing that was.
0: You know, and I, I've had a, a couple of guests on 52 Weeks Also have talked about, you know, they've had the privilege and the opportunity to go through whether it be renovations or new builds. And so as you were going through that, obviously it was a game changer in your career path. But as you think back to that time and the planning meetings and some of the different strategy sessions, was there some meeting that, you, that kind of stands out to you of like, wow, like, why am I here? Or, hey, this is, you know, again, this is my dream now
1: yeah. As you're going through that? Well, and I wasn't involved as much in the early parts of the new ballpark. I did – once it was, you know, developed, I did all of the premium sales, so the charter seat license seats and the Diamond Club. But once I got that um, kind of sense of ownership almost of those spaces and how that could enhance the fan experience in such a way, that led me to new – new opportunities in the organization. It really just understanding contracts and understanding the idea behind true business development, really starting from the ground, um, you know, and that then just lit a spark, uh, you know, that I was bound and determined. I want to have input into these conversations in any way I can, you know, it, it matters to me. And I, I shared my opinion. I, I love events and I love to experience events and see how other people are experiencing events. So while my background was very different than many of the people that I worked with, I felt like that maybe my experiences actually did lend themselves um, to, you know, bringing a diverse viewpoint to yep. these conversations. Yep. Um Yeah, there, there were so many projects over the years. Well Travis, I've been doing this for 25 years. There's so many projects and I love our ballpark so much. it's hard to pick it's one.
0: It's a it's a great ballpark and a, and a small story when uh when the ballpark first opened, I think I was there the second year with my family on a family vacation. And the the thing that that always stood out I remember is out in the bullpen you they, you had little like vision holes, so uh-huh. it was like you're sitting behind the catcher <laughs> and you see like as the bullpen's going. And I, it's something I've always remembered. And and when I you know had the, the opportunity to go back out there a couple years ago, uh you know I took some of the staff down there to see that because so I was like that was something I remember you know, yeah. in that ballpark. So such a great ball. Park and you, know, Francis. You mentioned you know kind of the, just the diverse you know kind of background and looking at things differently. And you know, many people whether they're getting out of the school out of school or they're in this business, they don't always know what that career path may look like. Which certainly you know you're kind of Exhibit A to that. Like you, you went from from teaching English you know in China to to maybe working in sports, but and now a career long in sports. What's your best advice for people as it relates to helping better understand? what their career journey may look like?
1: It's a great question. I think, um, you know, it, I, I look back and say how fortunate I was to, to have the opportunities. It's so competitive. It, it's so competitive now, and you yep. know that. Yep. Um, the key to the people that I've known who are successful in is to take the first step, to try something, and I always tell people, While you want to, if you know your path, which I clearly didn't, I wasn't looking for steps ahead. I was always focused on doing the best job that I could do at that job. Whatever I was hired to do, that's what I'm going to do is be the best at that job and then look around to see if I can help with other things. So that's always my advice is just do something. You know, people want. Uh, at least me, when I'm building a team, I want people who have a great attitude and who are willing to, you know, roll up their sleeves and, and figure out how to, how to solve this problem, how to move us forward. And um, you get more of that by doing it, I think.
0: Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Francis Traisman, Senior Vice President of Sales for the Seattle Mariners. And so, Francis, after spending a few years as an account executive, you owned up, you know, you mentioned move up to, to Director of Ticket Sales, Senior Director of Sales, the VP of Sales. And in 2017, you awarded the Senior Vice President of Sales with the Mariners, where you oversee ticketing, corporate sales, radio sales, customer engagement, and analytics. And so what do you feel, I mean, that, that's a lot of promotions and a lot of responsibility Francis, what do you feel like you've brought to the table each and every day that has provided you the opportunity for so many internal promotions?
1: That's a great question. Um, well, first of all, I feel, I always say this, I'm very fortunate. I've worked with some incredible people, and I owe much of my success to the people that are around me, both my supervisors, my colleagues, and the people that work for me. I am learning every day every day I learn something new and um, I, I never know it all I never feel like I've you know I've arrived uh, that's never that's never been um, something for me I'm always striving to there's more to learn there's a better way to do things um, and I think that to me that, that drive to always be better and try to instill that in the people around you and provide a path for them to do that um, I haven't always been successful at that, but that is my goal is to try to do that every day.
0: Right. You know, I think that's something you've brought up a couple of times is just do it right. Don't sit back and coast. <laughs> don't do anything else. Just do the yeah. job at hand and, you know, surround yourself with good people, which you've certainly done. And you know, for instance, as you've grown into a leader. I know that culture and, and being intentional and in everything you do is very key to, to what your, your, your leadership style is. So what's your advice for listeners to in regards to being around the right culture and for ultimately building that right culture as well.
1: Well, this is something I'm continuing to learn. I think it is, you know, when I started my career, that was not something people talked about. It wasn't culture. Wasn't necessarily a word that was thrown out. It was certainly something you felt and you were, you understood, but it wasn't something we really um, discussed. And as I have grown in my role, I have seen the value of a really good culture and, and perhaps not such a good culture. Um, you know, I think that's also coming to um, the Mariners in particular, but with such a wide variety of um, experiences, I knew what it was like to work in a place where people weren't necessarily all working toward the same goal. So I knew what, what a good culture um, or perhaps, as I said, not necessarily a bad culture um, look like. So for me, you know, it comes down to values, just making sure that you're aligned with the values. It could be your dream job, but if you're working in an organization that doesn't share the same values that you do, it's just not going to work in the end. You're not going to be happy. They're not going to be happy, and, and you you know, you'll struggle with that. So there are lots of ways to find a good, a good place to be that, that shares your values.
0: Absolutely. And I think that tees up the next question is, as you and I have had discussions in the past about our industry and, and they've done a much better job, certainly over the last you know, couple of years of really recruiting and ultimately retaining some of the top talent. And so for you and the Mariners organization, why is that so important?
1: Well, it's competitive. I mean, we live in a competitive world. Um, Seattle in particular is extremely competitive in terms of talent, we know that people can go to a different company and, and make more money yeah. and, um, you know, perhaps have a different lifestyle. Um, sports is attractive, but there's only so much attraction, you know, um, if you if you aren't holding up your end of the bargain as far as, you know, valuing um, the talent in the the opportunities um, and making opportunities available to people. I've been really happy, as you said, our, our industry as a whole is learning that it's not enough to just love sports. You have to, you have to really, um, we have to invest in our, yep. in our employees and give them opportunities to grow and, and show them how much and how important they are to our success
0: to the overall impact and the overall revenue streams absolutely and so Francis, spending over 25 years with the Mariners I'm sure you've had a ton of great experiences we've already kind of talked about opening the ballpark and your experience at the kingdom and and everything else you've had a a few playoff bursts you've seen a lot of great players come through what would you say if you had to pick your best memory you know working for the Seattle Mariners franchise
1: well, I still go back to. I, well, we haven't had as many playoff uh, births as I would like, so so I'm looking forward to my next one. I remember, yep. I remember the ones we've been in. I've been here for those, but um, I still go back to. I think the opening of Safeco Field, and which is now T-Mobile Park, to see the the look, not the months and months of work um, done internally and externally, but also just to see the the looks on the faces of the stands um as we open mid-season so july in seattle is gorgeous picture yep. perfect you could not pick a better time to open a facility i wouldn't normally recommend opening in the middle of the season
0: middle of the Year, yeah
1: however in seattle to open an open air ballpark um it was to see their faces and the oohs and ahs was i mean you can't it's indescribable um and and still to this day they we see people coming in and they just love you know coming to our facility so great- that's yeah that's that's my best memory. and always I, then I come back to just the people I worked with. Yep. you know you I, I, you within the industry are um, my clients, uh, staff and and colleagues. it's it, you can't describe how wonderful it's been.
0: That's awesome. And I'm glad, glad to hear you've had a great experience. And, you know, as, as we continue to think about the evolution of not only sports, of the industry, of the marketplace, you know, the sports landscape is continuing to change day by day and, you know, week by week. And so with now your current role and overseeing so many different multiple verticals, what's your advice for anyone listening on how do you continue to adapt to stay ahead of that curve and have that proactive mindset at all times?
1: Yeah, and that's, I think it goes back to the talent question that we talked about. Um, you, first of all, you can't do it alone. Um, you need to be taught, you need to have great people around you who are constantly um, challenging you and the status quo, but I also go back to, you know, our our customer, you know, talking to our customers and, and having direct um, communication with them is so important. It, they, they will tell often tell you what is coming next or what you need to be focused on. Um, Obviously read, read, read. I mean, this day and age, it's really hard. Almost, it's almost too much, (laughs) you know, coming at you. And to your point, it's changing daily. Um, But, you know, stay connected with your colleagues, read as much as you can, and really empower your team to be out there on the lookout for the next best thing.
0: Right. Yeah, yep. continue to push the push the envelope, certainly. And, you know, Francis. another thing that, that I think is always important is certainly having these discussions. You've certainly helped women pave the way in this industry, and you have been very successful and continue to, to be, you know, a, a high-profile leader in our industry. And you're also involved in WISE, which is the Women in Sports and Events. So why is it important for you to just always give back and help the next best superstars?
1: Well, um, this has become a real passion for me, most recently I will say I was a late comer to this. Um, I have, you know, in my professional career, obviously been very busy. I also have four children Mm -hmm. um, that I've raised during this time. And so I didn't have a lot of free time and, and you and I know in in our industry early on, I mean, I was not, there weren't a lot of women, especially at a higher level. So I didn't really know a lot of women in our industry Um, A few years ago, I had the opportunity to attend a Women's um, Executive Leadership Institute, and it was uh, hosted by WISE. I had never even heard of WISE. WISE wasn't – we didn't have a chapter in uh, Seattle. And that, again, that was kind of the spark. It was so important to me. I when walking into a room full of women who were all um, doing similar things that I was doing I had never experienced it before and I at that moment said, okay, I don't want anyone else to have that same feeling. I want them to always have, you know, the ability to reach out to colleagues, um, and, and feel comfortable with that. So long story short, we, we launched our, our wise chapter in Seattle, uh, last uh Jan- in january it feels like 10 years ago but it was <laughs> know, just in january know, and, uh, and now you know unfortunately we had two in-person events and then we've been virtual um the, since the, then.
0: the new norm
1: the new norm but it's been fantastic i mean i've met amazing women and i hope that i am helping them um you know attain their goals quicker easier yeah. um you know perhaps than than uh, people before them.
0: And I know on, on behalf of, of everyone and certainly the people you've impacted, you know, is a, a huge thank you. You know, we, everybody always sees that, you know, of, of taking the time to go out of their way to invest in others, to, to help their journey. So, you know, and, and friends, you mentioned, you know, also raising four children. We talk a lot about the grind of this business. You know, there's a lot of people, as I'm sure you've been asked over the years, I don't know how you work in baseball. It's 81 games. It's nights and weekends. It's, you know, you talk about Seattle in July. It's beautiful. And typically you're in the ballpark, you know, 20 days of the month. Right. And so, you know, it's an ever, ever, you know, kind of discussion point of that work life balance. What have you maintained and been able to do to, to not only raise kids, spend time, obviously still giving back with wise, like what is it, What is your advice on that, that work life balance?
1: It's so funny you asked that question. Um, well, first of all, not, nothing is really ever in balance, at least it feels like for me. I mean, I, we just had a, um, actually a wise event about this earlier in the week, and we called it juggling work in life. Um, you know, the sports industry, yep. it's, it's addictive. It's, also, um, it's so rewarding, but it is a lifestyle. And you have to, in my case, I have an amazing husband who is extremely, um, loves sports probably more than I do. Um, That's Loves to, to, love <laughs> to go to events. Yeah, he, he's very supportive of my of my work, um, but he's also interested in it. And my children have, you know, there have been sacrifices along the way, but they, they appreciate that. And I think um, for me, I have three boys, and then my um, youngest is a girl. And I've always wanted them to see that, you know, you can, you can do it. You can do it all. You can balance things. Um, sometimes you're going to do more in one area than the other, and but the most important things, you're always going to get them done. Um, so, yeah, I feel I feel really lucky. I, I I've stubbed my toe along the way many times, and you know, that's life. Yeah, in everything to do you do, you're gonna, you just you're gotta have get some, back up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Say I'm sorry, I messed up. I'm gonna be better tomorrow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, again, Francis, this has been great. Ton of great advice, and and certainly, you know, loved hearing more about some of your your thoughts on the new landscape and certainly a great career path and and a fun journey to have this discussion. And so, to close it out, I'd like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So, you ready for this?
1: Oh, I hope so. (laughs) All
0: righty. So, now, you know, you are, you know, kind of a world traveler a little bit. So, maybe your answer may be a little bit different, but what would your superpower be and why?
1: Oh, you know, I, I think about this first of all I, I want all the superpowers but um <laughs> if I had to choose one now in this uh, day for me it would be time travel. I don't even know if that's a, if that's a superpower but
0: We'll make I, it one.
1: Okay, I'm making it one. <laughs> I would love to go back in time. First of all <laughs> I'd love to go back and see my parents and my grandparents who are not with us anymore and and just tell them, you know, I'm fine, things yeah. are great, you know, hear how, how, you know, just hear their words again. Yeah. But I'd also love to go ahead because, you know, kind of you were talking about the challenges in the sports landscape. I kind of want a preview of what that, you know, what's it going to look like in the future so I can, right. I can be better prepared. Yeah,
0: you'll be the first to the dance to know, you know yeah. everything going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want to know. If you could bring back any fashion trend, what would it be?
1: Oh, my gosh uh let's see well those of you who know me I have not changed really my fashion since really since I was young I am a preppy girl at heart so I love penny loafers I love you know plaid skirts Shetland sweaters but really timeless classic I you know anything that's timeless or classic
0: yeah no absolutely it's awesome now you know moving forward you know you're going to have your own late night talk show who are you inviting as your first guest
1: oh that's fun after you (laughs) i
0: appreciate that
1: after you travis well i'd have to have somebody who can sing and dance I love, yeah. Well, then I love, that's not
0: going to be me. Love you. I think, I think oh, I'm okay. good at singing, uh, but I don't think so.
1: <laughs> but nobody else thinks <laughs> Yeah,
0: nobody else <laughs> that's seems what to I think the same wavelength.
1: Gosh. Okay. So in, in that case, um, I would say it's got to be either, and these are two opposite ends of the spectrum, Beyonce or Dolly Parton. Okay. <laughs> are, I yeah. just think they're both fascinating. They're so incredibly talented and a million different ways. I would love to talk with them. And maybe put
0: them together and and I I would enjoy that conversation too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wouldn't that be great? Exactly.
0: That's awesome. Well, so to close it out, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day?
1: Oh goodness. Okay. Well, first and foremost, um, I mean, it's a, it's kind of a key cliche word now, but being authentic you know, just trying just be yourself. Um, you can learn a lot from the people around you, but in the end, you need to be true to yourself. That's the first um, first thing I say. Second thing is um, be kind. Just be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Um, like I said, I don't always I, I'm not always perfect. That's for sure. That's not going to be one of my um, key takeaways. Um, And then I would just say, enjoy the journey and, you know, celebrate your accomplishments. I I don't know that I've done that as well as I would have if I were going back to give myself some advice. Um, So those are my three.
0: I couldn't agree more. You know, it, it is to your point, being genuine, authentic to, to your peers, your counterparts, your employees, your customers, being kind in everything you do. And I, I like what said, be kind to yourself, you know, and, and that kind of leads into your third one is we always talk about this is a fun career journey and you tell it to everyone else, but take the time to truly enjoy it because it's a, it's a lot of fun. This industry is great. You've had a tremendous career. It's always a pleasure talking with you. And I really appreciate your time and expertise today.
1: Thank you, Travis. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, thanks again. This is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickranger.com, or just stop by. Ranger, for the ones who get it done. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding
1: or a belt flipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand.